Hey, hey, welcome to The Skinny with Jesus. I am so glad you're here. Today is January 29th. 2020. It is our first episode of the new year, and I know it is already the 29th of January, but hey, we are still in January, so I am considering that a win. So, happy new year. I hope you have started off your 2020 um, in a wonderful way. I hope you have started it off with the Lord. I hope you've started it off in worship and in prayer. And I am so glad that you have uh, decided to start it off here with us. Again, my name is Bevan Caramello, and you are listening to The Skinny with Jesus. We are in the last episode of our current series, The Road to Jericho. We have been going through the book of Joshua, just uh, the first six chapters of the book of Joshua. And today we are rounding out our series. We are wrapping things up with Joshua chapter six. Um, And last episode, in the last episode, we primarily focused on Joshua chapter five, but some of you have probably noticed by now if you got your Bibles out and looked through your notes um, for from that last episode, you probably noticed that I stopped at verse 12 in chapter 5. So we are actually, before we go into chapter 6 today, I'm going to finish out reading chapter 5 for us, just a few verses, verses 13 through 15 in chapter 5, and then we'll go straight into chapter 6, the road to Jericho. We have been watching and studying as the Israelites are about to make their way into Canaan. We have seen some awesome things in the book of Joshua. I personally just absolutely love the book of Joshua. Um, Joshua was a warrior, such a different leader than Moses. Moses, this humble leader who led the Israelites out of Egypt, and then they wandered through the desert for 40 years before God would bring them into the promised land. Moses, their leader through that time in the desert, has now died. And Joshua has has been the one chosen by God to lead the people into Canaan, into the promised land, okay? And we got to see um, why God chooses the leaders he does for different chapters, for different seasons in life, right? Moses was what God um, wanted and what the Israelites needed throughout that, that desert season. And now we see this warrior in Joshua um, raised up as the leader who's going to lead them through these different battles, these different wars with all of the enemies that they're going to have to drive out in the land of Canaan. We've already seen some of these. um, Some of this has already happened east of the Jordan. Now they have crossed over. They are heading into Jericho. We saw God stop the waters of the Jordan. We saw um, the Israelites pay tribute to him um, and, and wanting never to forget. They laid down those stones of remembrance on the other side of the Jordan. Um, we've. It's just been, uh, for me, it's been awesome in these first six chapters. So today we are going to finish it off. Okay, Joshua chapter six, but I'm going to read the last few verses of Joshua chapter five, then we'll go straight into Joshua chapter six. And I think I'm going to read most of the chapter here um, before we start um just talking through it. So bear with me. If you have your Bibles, get them open to Joshua chapter six. If you don't just sit tight and listen up. 
I am going to read it for you. Okay? Here we go. All right. Chapter 5, verse 13. The fall of Jericho. Here we go, guys. What we've been waiting for. It says, Now, when Joshua was was near Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. Joshua went up to him and asked, Are you for us or for our enemies? Neither, he replied, but as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. Then Joshua fell face down to the ground in reverence and asked him, What message does my Lord have for his servant? Verse 15, the commander of the Lord's army replied, take off your sandals for the place where you are, um, for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. So we see this angel appears before Joshua and, um, and Joshua bows down. God separates what is common from what is holy. And Joshua, along with the other Israelites, they would have understood that they cannot just approach a holy God. They are covered in their sin and they cannot just approach him. They are common and he is holy. And the commander of the Lord's army, this angel reminds Joshua of that before he brings this message from God to Joshua and the rest of the Israelites. He reminds him You must bow down before a holy God. Okay, chapter six. Now Jericho is tightly shut up because of the Israelites. No one went out and no one came in. Okay, so word has spread. They have already conquered um, several enemies on the east side of the Jordan. Now they've come across. They are heading into Jericho and word has made it into Jericho that they are coming for them. Okay. So the city is tightly shut up because of the Israelites. No one's coming out. No one's going in. Verse two, then the Lord said to Joshua, see, I have delivered Jericho into your hands along with its king and its fighting men. Okay. They have not even gone into battle with Jericho yet. And God is telling Joshua, I have already done this. The work is already done. I have delivered Jericho into your hands. I love that. They haven't even gone into battle yet. And God's already telling them it's done. It's a done deal. You're going to win. Verse three. Now God tells Joshua exactly how he wants this done. Okay. Listen up. Verse three. He says, March around the city once with all the armed men. Do this for six days. Have seven priests carry seven carry trumpets of ram's horns in front of the ark. On the seventh day, march around the city seven times with the priests blowing the trumpets. When you hear them sound a long blast on the trumpets, have all the people give a loud shout. Then the wall of the city will collapse and the people will go up every man straight in. So Joshua, son of Nun, called the priests and said to them, take up the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. Remember, the Ark of the Covenant, is it, it represents God's presence among them. Okay, so these priests are taking the Ark out in front of all the armed men. Okay, we are talking hundreds of thousands of men. God is out in front, the priests marching with the armed men, and they are carrying the Ark of the Covenant. That's God's presence among them. They are carrying the Ark around the wall of the city of Jericho. Okay. Verse six, again, Joshua. So Joshua, son of Nun, called the priests and said to them, take up the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord and have seven priests carry trumpets in front of it. 
And he ordered the people, advance, march around the city with the armed guard going ahead of the ark of the Lord. When Joshua had spoken to the people, the seven priests carrying the seven trumpets before the Lord went forward, blowing their trumpets, and the ark of the Lord's covenant followed them. The armed guard marched ahead of the priests who blew the trumpets, and the rear guard followed the ark. All this time, the trumpets were sounding. Okay, you guys, stop with me right there for just a second. We'll pick it up in verse 10 in just in just a minute. But I want you guys to pay attention. First of all, the number seven is all over this chapter. The number seven is all over this chapter. And the number seven in the Bible, it represents completion, okay? God completes the work. I want you guys to think about creation, the creation and story in the book of Genesis. He created the world in seven days, right? And then he rested on the seventh. Again, it was finished. It was done. Seven represents this number of completion. And so right here we see he's telling Joshua how to do it. Then the number seven is all over this. It's completed before they even begin, right? Seven trumpets, seven priests. They are to march around for seven days. The seventh day they are to march around seven times. It is finished before it even begins. Okay? Okay, pick it up with me again in verse 10. But Joshua had commanded the people, do not give a war cry. Do not raise your voices. In fact, do not say a word until the day I tell you to shout. Then shout! So he had the ark of the Lord carried around the city, circling at once. Then the people returned to camp and spent the night there. Day one is over. Here we go. Joshua got up early the next morning and the priests took up the ark of the Lord. The seven priests carrying the seven trumpets went forward, marching before the ark of the Lord and blowing the trumpets. The armed men went ahead of them and the rear guard followed the ark of the Lord while the trumpets kept sounding. So on the second day, they marched around the city once and returned to the camp. And they did this for six days. Okay, here we go, guys. Verse 15. On the seventh day, they got up at daybreak and marched around the city seven times in the same manner, except that on that day, they circled the city seven times. The seventh time around, when the priest sounded the trumpet blast, Joshua commanded the people, shout, for the Lord has given you the city. The city and all that is in it are to be devoted to the Lord. Only Rahab the prostitute and all who are with her in her house shall be spared because she hid the spies we sent. Okay, let's pause right there. You guys, God is so specific in how he wants this done. And hear my heart in this because I got to tell you, I did everything wrong before I ever started doing it right. I mean it. I mean, I did everything wrong before I ever did it right. Even knowing God, I was not living for Him in my teens and my 20s and even my early 30s. God cares not just about what we do, but how we do it. And it matters. If you see nothing else in these first few, first half, I should say, 
of chapter 6. See this. God wants it done a certain way. And it doesn't matter if we agree with him or not. He says, march around the city seven times that seventh day. March around it one time the first six days. Carry the ark this way. Blow the trumpet this many times. He cares not only what we do, but how we do it. It matters to God what we're doing with our finances. He says, give a tithe, at least a tithe. And I don't know what your finances look. Maybe you're saying, I'm broke. How in the world am I supposed to give 10% of my income away? He says, don't have sex before marriage. He says, don't move in with your girlfriend or your boyfriend until you have committed your life to them before me. He tells us how to raise our kids, how to love our spouses, how to love our neighbor. There are directions for all of life. Peter tells us that everything we need is in the word of God to live a life of godliness. He cares not only what we do, but how we do it. You guys, we cannot even fathom the mind of God. His thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways are not our ways. And we cannot even conceive of what is waiting on the other side of a single-minded devotion and undivided loyalty to him alone. He's so big. He's so big, you guys. And he's so good. He's so good. Okay, let's keep going back to Rahab. I don't remember exactly where we stopped. You guys forgive me. Uh, Okay. Only Rahab the prostitute and all who are with her in her house shall be spared because she hid the spies we sent. Verse 18. But keep away from the devoted things so that you will not bring about your own destruction by taking any of them. Otherwise, you will make the camp of Israel liable to destruction and bring trouble on it. Again, he cares not just what we do, but how we do it. He's already told them they're going to win. But once they get on the other side of this wall that he's going to destroy, the wall is going to crumble in front of them. Once the wall crumbles in front of them, he still cares about what happens on the other side of that wall. All the silver and gold and the articles of bronze and iron are sacred to the Lord and must go into his treasury. When the trumpet sounded, the people shouted, and the sound of the trumpet And at the sound of the trumpet, when the people gave a loud shout, the wall collapsed. So every man charged straight in, and they took the city. They devoted the city to the Lord and destroyed with the sword every living thing in it, men and women, young and old, cattle, sheep, and donkeys. Joshua said to the two men who had spied out the land, go into the prostitute's house and bring her out and all who belong to her in accordance with your oath to her. So... The young men who had done the spying went in and brought out Rahab, the father, her father and mother and brothers and all who belonged to her. They brought out her entire family and put them in a place outside the camp of Israel. 
Then they burned the whole city and everything in it. But they put the silver and gold and the articles of bronze and iron into the treasury of the Lord's house. But Joshua spared Rahab the prostitute with her family and all who belonged to her because she hid the men Joshua had sent as spies to Jericho. And she lives among the Israelites to this day. At that time, Joshua pronounced the solemn oath, Cursed before the Lord is the man who undertakes to rebuild the city, Jericho. At the cost of his firstborn son will he lay its foundations. At the cost of his youngest will he set up its gates. So the Lord was with Joshua, and his fame spread throughout the land. That is the end of of Joshua chapter 6. The road to Jericho, that right there is the fall of Jericho. And you guys, I think we have, for me anyway, there were two main takeaways as I read this chapter. My two biggest takeaways here. Number one, and probably my biggest lesson God taught me through this, is that we should not expect an extraordinary God to do awesome, transformative works in our lives in ordinary ways. You guys get that? We should not expect an extraordinary God to do things in ordinary ways. And you guys, (laughs) it probably felt a little crazy a little weird to the Israelites as they marched around that wall. These are armed men ready for battle, but God didn't say charge in and battle. He says, I've already delivered Jericho into your hands. March around the city for my glory. Why? I don't always know why, (laughs) but in this case, I think it's pretty obvious He wants all the glory for these extraordinary works he's going to do in our lives. He wanted all the glory for this extraordinary work he was going to do for the Israelites, handing Jericho over to them. He didn't want them to be able to take even the teeniest bit of what is owed to him upon themselves. So he did something only he could do. You guys... Jericho was one of the oldest cities in the world. It was built thousands of years before Joshua was even born. In some places, the wall of Jericho was 25 feet high, and some scholars say uh, possibly 20 feet thick. This was no small feat. When God sends that wall down, he gets it done, right? But the Canaanites, that's who lived in Jericho, they already knew that God was what they would have called a nature God, right? They had seen and heard about him stopping the waters of the Jordan so that all the Israelites could cross. So they would have understood that he was the God of nature, They had already heard of the victories that the Israelites had had on the other side of the Jordan before they crossed over. So they would have already known 
that he was an all-powerful God over war, that he could win any war, that the Israelites, as long as they were walking with God, could beat any enemy. But see, Jericho was considered a fortress, and the way the Canaanites worshipped, they, they were polygamous. They worshipped lots of different gods, a god of nature, a god of war, a god of fertility, a god of their fortress, right? They did not believe that the Israelites' god was also a fortress god. They thought Jericho could not be beaten because it was a fortress, because its walls were so massive, so thick, so high. Nobody could get in. Nobody could get over them. No human could get in. No human could get over them. But you see, what God showed here, what he showed himself to the world, the watching world at the time, is that he was most definitely a fortress God. He is the God of the universe. He is God over everything. We are told that God created the entire world and everything in it through Jesus Christ. We're told that in Genesis. We're told that in John. We're told that in Hebrews. Our God is the God of the universe, and he most definitely is a fortress God. He brought these walls down. You know, like I said, I'm sure the Israelites felt pretty silly walking around that wall those first six days in silence. And you know, your family might think it's outrageous if they're not walking with the Lord and you are. They might think it's a little crazy when you leave your high-paying job with that big title and take a lesser-paying job because you know God's told you that's where your ministry for Him lies, is in that other office building. Your friends might call you crazy when you sell your big house and move across town to live in that rundown neighborhood. because God's told you to plant a church there. They might say you're nuts. You've already got four kids. Do you really need to bring this on too? Why are you traveling to Russia to bring home that orphan baby with special needs? Everyone around you might whisper when you stop showing up at those work events because you choose not to talk like that anymore and you're not going to be around it or maybe you've decided you don't you don't drink like they do anymore it is most definitely going to shock some people when we live God's way when we live in such a way that it looks reckless to the rest of the world. And that leads me to our second takeaway. Reckless obedience to a holy, all-powerful God leads to awesome 
wonders. You see, before God brought that wall down, they couldn't get over it. God didn't need them to. Because when God moves, the walls in our lives come tumbling down. Awesome wonders. This is the God who brought down the wall. The God who stopped the waters of the Jordan. The God who parted the Red Sea. This is the God who can and will break your chains. But first, first we see what came first was reckless obedience. And in your life, if you want those chains broken, first comes reckless obedience. Reckless obedience to a holy, all-powerful God leads to awesome wonders. If we want to see God work an awesome wonder in our lives, we have to be willing to show him reckless obedience first. And then what happened? On that seventh day, seven, right? The number representing completion in the Bible. God brought that wall down. The city of Jericho delivered into their hands. That wall fell down. It just fell. First, we see him command the Israelites, walk in a circle for seven days. Do it just like I've commanded you. Walk in a circle for seven days. And on the seventh day, walk in a circle seven times. Right there, we see reckless obedience. Are you recklessly obeying God in your life? Are you recklessly obeying him with your finances? Are you recklessly obeying him in your marriage? Are you recklessly obeying him in your workplace? Are you recklessly obeying him in every single aspect of your life? What comes next? The walls fall down. Walk in a circle for seven days, and then the walls fall down. Reckless obedience leads to the awesome wonder. But it doesn't stop there, you guys. Then Jericho, a city that is thousands of years old, was handed over to them. In just seven days of obedience, God undid all the building of that wall in one moment. That right there is an extraordinary, transformative work. Reckless obedience, then we get to see his awesome wonder. And then we get to live in that extraordinary, transformative work that he is doing in our lives. Pray with me. Oh, Father God, oh, I praise you, Lord. You are holy and awesome and mighty. We can't even fathom your power your goodness. 
Lord, you are amazing. And we are so grateful to be your children. Lord, I pray that you would lead us through the power of your Holy Spirit in us to reckless obedience, trusting you for awesome wonders, trusting you, Lord, to do a mighty, transformative work in our lives. And I thank you, Lord Jesus, that you tell us you will be with us to the very end of the age, that we are not doing it alone, that you sent your spirit to dwell in us and among us. You are good. Father, you are an extraordinary God. Forgive us, Lord, when we doubt you. Forgive us, Lord, when we want ordinary, when we'd rather just be our own gods, when we'd rather choose ordinary things over your extraordinary ways. Forgive us and change us, Lord. You and you alone have the power to do so. We love you, Lord. I thank you for this time together. I thank you for every person listening to this message. It's your message, Lord. This is your podcast. Take it to the ends of the earth, Lord, to every person that you created this message for. Take it, Lord, into New Zealand, to Japan, into Spain. I see you guys listening. I don't know your names, but your downloads pop up. And I see them. And I'm praying for you. For the one in England, for the one in Romania. You are my brother, my sister in Christ. And I'm grateful that you're here. And I pray God's blessing over you today. And I pray God's power for you today. And I pray God's courage for you today. Walk in reckless obedience. Look for his awesome wonders. Lord, do a transformative work. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I thank you so much for tuning in today. I'm so glad you did. And I look forward to our next series together. You guys stay tuned. It's coming in February. It is called Treasure Chests, and it is going to be good, God willing. I hope and pray. He is the one that shows up and gives me words to speak. If he doesn't show up, I don't have anything worth saying. So tune in in February. That one is coming up. If you have not found us on Facebook yet, that is a great place to plug in. You can also message me there with prayer requests. Just search The Skinny with Jesus in Facebook and add yourself there. All are welcome. So feel free to invite friends and family that you think would like to plug in with us as well. Until then, until the next time, you guys know I am praying for you and yours. Bye now.